Hey, everybody, welcome back to the House of X Book Club. I'm your host, Rob, and I've got the, uh, well, what now seems to be a more usual crew of the Quiet Council. Um, we're going to be covering X-Men number 11 and X-Men number 12 tonight. But first, let's introduce everybody. Uh, directly to my left is Drew. Hey, Drew, what's happening? Oh, not much. Glad to be back. <laughs> and uh, also down down in the corner from where I'm sitting is Shane. How are you, Shane? I'm doing good. I've missed you, Rob. Oh, I've so much. I so missed much. your I miss your musk. <laughs> well, I that's good because I'm extra musky just for you, big guy. Um so so uh and also I think very important, more important than almost almost anybody here is uh right down below here is, is the good old Roger. Rog, introduce yourself, man. Good evening, folks. No one can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, we are actually on Zoom right now. So here as we're recording, we can see each other, uh, which is why Drew's to my left and Roger's below me. Nothing strange is happening other than that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stoked. I got to say that the closer... We got to number 12 and 13 and even issues 14, as we're going to talk about later. Um, I really am starting to like some of these later issues. Um, I'm liking some of the art a little bit better. And I know that some of you guys might not be totally into it, but, uh, you know, number, number 11 is kind of, well one of my favorite issues strangely enough and it it has nothing to do with nothing at all in the x-men continuity later but it's it's bizarre which is why i liked it um x-men 12 is we're going to talk about introduces the juggernaut which i think is pretty pretty awesome so um number uh no, x-men number 11 oh gosh <laughs> number 11 was written by stanley art by jack kirby of course inked by Chick Stone and lettered by Art Simic, the usual, of course, this group. Um, but yeah, this is where an alien comes down to Earth because, well, I don't want to tell you why at the moment, but but he seems totally cool. He seems like a real chill guy. He's just walking down to the planet. He even rents a room and wants to, to kind of blend in with human society. Uh, but Magneto recognizes that he's there and figures, hey, let's recruit this guy. He's got to be a mutant, which is really Magneto's problem. I mean, dude, dude needs to, like, understand people are just different sometimes. They don't all have to be mutants. Just because they have a weird mustache or bushy eyebrows does not mean that they're mutants. <laughs> sometimes they're aliens. <laughs> His mutant power is queer facial hair. So so I'm going to I'm going to ask <laughs> Shane. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna direct this question to Shane, and it's a general question. But I, I Shane, what do you think about this issue? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I was wondering. Well, the first thing I wondered started right on the first page was if they had Cerebro, what was the point of an image beam? <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 people listening can't see this, but Roger was freaking out just now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. 
Yeah. See, exactly. here we are again. He's he's it's the the open secret of he's got technology to detect mutants. Right mm-hmm. there it is. And a shit ton yeah. of money. So right. Well, I See, mean, then they did establish that this... Oh, sorry. When I was reading this, I assumed that this was like an add-on to Cerebro. Me too. I didn't realize this was separate. I assume that too, Drew. Oh, the funky, but... funky TV. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. As it goes on, it's no, it's a separate thing. But I mean, I can't have forgotten that Cerebro was a thing. It was in the last issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If some of the stuff that was done in these books now were in like a book that was not published by Marvel, it, you know, because Professor X will just be like, everybody come in the room right now. And everybody would run in the room, and then Professor X wouldn't have any pants on. And would just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Char- I'm Charles Xavier, and you're watching Jackass. <laughs> like, but they never say, you know, hey, why don't you guys come in here? Something weird's going on, and we've we've set up a new device, and we're we've tracking any possible mutant. They're just like, get in here. I'm gonna. Punch in the titty. This is this is slightly irrelevant, but you say this about uh, Professor X summoning the the, the X Men. I've found it hysterical this entire run so far when he's like, "Attention, X Men! This is Professor X. Come here!" Uh, repeating, "This is Professor X. Come and see me." Like, <laughs> of course it's Professor X. He's the only telepath right now. Yeah, nobody <laughs> else talks to us with their mind. <laughs> right. Thank you for identifying yourself. I couldn't tell the difference between you and the other voices in my head. Yeah, I found that hysterical so far. <laughs> now, what would be awesome is if they all stopped and said, okay, so Gene, do we really know this is Professor X? I mean, what if it's not? You know? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. at this point, anybody could go, this is Professor X. And they'll be like, oh, this is Professor X. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. So, that, but it, but it, yeah, it, this one just went really bizarre. I feel like this was the first issue where the beast at no point stands upright. Like he, <laughs> for true? all the other issues he does, mm-hmm. this one he's like he's balancing on his fingers. Oh, so again, on the second page, that all of a sudden, Iceman and Bobby are fighting, and there's no reason for it to happen except to fill an extra page. Oh, because it's, it's their shenanigans that they get yelled at for, right? They, yeah, they, yeah. They're always, and it's it's always Bobby who starts this. You know, he's always yeah. like pulling some shit, and and like, man, even you know, Cyclops. I get, I give Cyclops a lot of shit for being such a serious, like, you know, glum kind of guy, but but uh, he's the one that always gets pissed off that Beast and Iceman are goofing around. You know, well, um, see, this goes back to what I said in the first the first show that we did where I thought he was like 14 because he's so goddamn immature. He's, he's the idiot of the group. And it's like, and then Gene gray comes into things and he's like, Ooh, a girl. It's because he's not mature. It's he's, he's still a kid. (laughs) I mean, well, you know, I think at some point, I don't remember which issue, but it was fairly early on in the run. They say that he's 16 and he's the youngest member. It might've been the first issue. It was. So it was. But like they've got it, they're all teenagers. So what? They're he's sixteen and they're seventeen, and so he's the mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So one thing I learned from this issue: where all mutants are douches. Okay. Or dumbasses. <laughs> I've, I've noticed because that a lot. Did yeah. you know? Did you notice that in this book, Beastman forgot which member of the team makes ice? What? What? I... Yes. That. Um. So it's it's the the fight. 
uh, between he and um, Bobby very early on in the issue. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's in the oh. last panel on the second page. He says, oh. Gadzooks, who coated that corner of the room with ice? That's right. You dumb <laughs> son of a bitch. I- Cyclops did it. That's right. <laughs> it was the mimic. Oh, yeah, my just, God. I, I haven't brought this up yet but i i feel like this is kind of a good time to to say this since we're talking about mutants being douchebags but i i found it extremely interesting that not only magneto in his brotherhood of evil mutants calls themselves uh homo superior and and, and refers to the homo sapiens constantly mm-hmm. but the x-men and professor x also refer to themselves as homo superior which i i found very odd reading through these because the whole point of the x-men is like they want to protect humanity they don't see themselves as above humanity below humanity they're just humans with extra powers and yet Mm -hmm. they still refer to themselves as homo superior well i think it's this issue where it even gets kind of kind of hit home a little bit that yeah i guess we are above most humans right you know um which this is like i said all mutants are douchebags um (laughs) Uh, one really cool thing happens in this issue, um, besides Magneto trying to recruit the stranger, the Scarlet Witch declares that they're leaving the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Finally, it has happened, mm-hmm. and that way, um, you know, Avengers was kind of running side by side with this with this book, so, right? Because this would have come out about March of '65, right? Yeah, yeah, March March of '65. So they are like literally. They're they're so close together. This you know they go from this issue to you know to Avengers to be like yeah we want to join your team. So um, I think that's monumental. I I like reading about stuff like that. When I was first reading comics and enjoying all the continuity, I would read a book that was like 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 the annual uh, that that had Hazar and the Savage Land in it, and I'm like okay this is cool. Um, Rogue flying around the Savage Land, Zaladane, Lorna Dane. Um, but where did the Savage Land come from? You know, and then I'd go back and read, or or the main bad guy in that book. I'd be like, where did he come from? You know, so I'd have to go back and figure out where that came from, you know, or where Kazar came from. Well, one of the questions I had was, when did Quicksilver become a good guy? Which, you know, it was harder to find out back in 1980, uh, than it is today, but but we had Wizard Magazine and we, you know, <laughs> yeah, over street guides, so we were able to like track it and figure it out. But that was part of the fun of reading comic books was finding these little Easter eggs, which at the time I thought they were Easter eggs. Now it's just continuity, just continuity. But but yeah, so this is where she's like, we are leaving this bitch ass group of bad guys. So one of the things I did want to mention before we got too far is in this issue because we've talked in the past about jack kirby recycling art Mm -hmm. and i feel like the stranger's landlord was a picture (laughs) of a dude that they just uh recycled and put a dress on and put a wig on maybe no that 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 hair could carry over now are are you are you saying that that's actually what happened, or are you just considering it? Because I'm looking at her, and she reminds me of somebody from DC's uh, Miracle Man. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. it does it just looks like recycled art, and it was a dude, and now they made it 
a landlord and they decided to make it a woman. Yeah. There's a panel where she's like, um, oh, you weren't too bright, are you? And the, the, the stranger's like, well, I'm a stranger here and I'm not familiar with your idioms of speech. Uh, let me give you a bunch of cash. But she <laughs> definitely, she definitely, she looks like a, he looks like a man with a wig. She yeah. looks like, and I know this is later in his, his career portfolio, but she looks like Granny Goodness. That's who I was thinking. Yeah. That's exactly who I was thinking. Isn't that from Miracle Man? I don't know where she first came in, but she was, she's a, 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 a Dark Side's you know, mm -hmm. lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. So she's yeah, one of the new gods. Yeah, the new that's gods. A, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's who I, who I was thinking of. Um, at, at any rate, yeah. The, I, I, man, I love this. I mean, I know that, you know, some of the art is still curvy and it's still, you know, kind of gets some frowns, but there's something about the, the scene where there's like a cop holding up traffic and there's, you know, he's the traffic cop and the stranger's walking around town. And then the stranger is like, oh, you know what, there's traffic. I'm just going to walk over it. And so he kind of levitates and walks across the street dressed as a normal human because nobody will, nobody will notice that. And um, I just like on that page, I just have to say, if the stranger had that hairdo that he has on page three, there's no way it wouldn't be sticking all out underneath that hat that's on page four. That's true, because I've had a hat on and my hair sticks out like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in this issue? You know, we've got uh, Magneto who approaches him and, and says, hey, uh, I'm, I'm Magneto and we want you to join our Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, and that happens on page four. And I think this happens because the stranger just kind of wanders into Magneto's secret, secret his fifth lab. Floor, his fifth floor walk up in downtown yeah. Manhattan. There's a, a bit of dialogue where he says he's being pulled in. Yeah. He's being, he's drawn yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause magnetism. Um, I don't know why, why you great continue polite. to question that, man. It's just magnetism. Go with I it. know. Mag yeah, that's what I was thinking when I accidentally uh, <laughs> drove through a stop sign today. Well, I couldn't help it. It was magnetism. Magnetism. <laughs> Magneto was calling me forth. Um, but but anyway, there's there's a panel after that uh, where there's a guy washing the window and Angel flies yeah. by. And it's while they're searching, the X-Men are out searching for this guy because obviously he's, you know, something's up with him. So they're out looking for him. And the guy is squeegeeing the, the window and it's up high because he's strapped against the wall. But he says, holy cow, who's that? Like, doesn't everybody by now know who the X-Men? I mean, they've been all over the newspaper. There have been photos of them in the newspaper. They've been on television. Uh, I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like people should know these guys already. They're the New York's best kept secret. Well, see? one thing that's fairly consistent amongst the series though is professor xavier loves to mind wipe everybody so maybe he <laughs> yes, just does he it does. to the whole city yeah yeah uh wow drew I mean, wins the prize for that one i think uh i think it's just can i think at the end of the day it's really just convenient storytelling for him to uh, keep again keep it another open secret yeah yep okay well, I think, and I think, you know, it's just, it's, it's typical comic book writing to Roger's point. A couple of episodes ago is that uh -oh. they were writing a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and fuck Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never said that, dude. Oh, yeah. I never said that. 
no, uh, but I just think that they like the, the continuity was not a consideration. I think that when the stories carried over across two issues, I feel like we got pretty lucky that there was continuity yeah. between mm-hmm. issue seven and issue eight, for example. Yeah. We got lucky. Yeah. Well, again, and it goes back to what I've said uh, to Drew earlier. You really get the feeling that he's just, you know, Stan Lee and the gang are just almost making it up as they go. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things that come out of it. A lot of like the Savage Land and Kazar. But man, some of this stuff, it it stretches the border between superhero stuff and science fiction. You know, so I think they're just they're Which just kind of like I think it's kind of cool. No, no, it, I I agree it is, but I think they're just taking advantage of that kind of gray area. Yeah, well, uh, uh, it's no secret that I mean I don't know if everybody knows this, but it's no secret that we're getting real close to the issue where Stan and Jack just bail. They're they're going to be no longer with us shortly. So don't tell me that. Um, I'm sorry, Rod. <laughs> So I don't know, Drew, Drew, I'm going to tell this to Drew. Um, I've made my ringtone for Roger, oh. the uh, the quote that Roger says. Oh, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> he says, Roger says, what was it he said in that issue? Uh, He's like, he uh, says, I, re- says, I respect <laughs> Jack Kirby. He did a lot of great things, but I don't like him. I don't like his art. I do not like his art. I don't like his art. Yeah. So my new ringtone is Roger going, I respect the man, but I do not like his art. That's good. Um, You know, last episode, you guys were talking about the books you were reading, and I've been reading King and Yellow. And I can draw draw parallels because as I read some of these books, I feel like I'm losing my goddamn mind. (laughs) (laughs) The more you read, the crazy you're you're going to go. That's That's right. Um, you're going to find at the end of this run that you are yourself a mutant. Um, so, of course, Magneto and his crew go to recruit the stranger. And the stranger's like, what? I'm not a mutant. Get away from me. And, of course, there's a fight. And the X-Men get involved. And, uh, uh, oh, there's another thing about this, though, that when I read this, it, it just it dawns on me that Professor X is still in the closet. People don't realize, like, he doesn't want people to know that he's a mutant. Right. That's why he is flashy thinging him. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're going to, we're going to read pretty soon. We're going to read an, an issue that's not the X-Men and it's got the X. Well, I'm trying to think about that. Uh, yeah. It's not the X-Men, but uh, Professor Xavier's flashy thinging all kinds of people all the time. And it's ridiculous. There's something a little immoral about that. I don't know. Morally questionable. Well, it's always questionable to flashy your thingy at people. I mean, come on. Yes. I mean, Everyone, come into the room right now. So, um, so of course, there's this this fight. You know, oh, uh, Cyclops. The cops are like, "Hey, Mister, you don't respect us." And they go to take off his glasses, and he's like, "What did I do?" You know. And of course, as they reach for his glasses, his eye beam goes off, and destroys one of the cop's guns so a cop doesn't like being disrespected and has pulled out a gun boy things have not changed <laughs> you know yep. this is 60 years is. this is how it is yeah. um this is another one of those issues where um iceman loses his face too 
loses yeah. his faith. Not, not nearly as disturbing as the last time where you he laughs and you're staring into the void. Page but, seven. Yeah. Yeah. He, page seven. He, his... <laughs> That's right. He's got a like a slit for eyes and slit for mouth and got a little nose holes. That's that's interesting too because as I was I was reading um, these these particular issues there, at one point and I don't remember where but he Professor Xavier you know compliments him for he's starting to become more translucent. So there's definitely a shift between him just covering his body in snow and then his body becoming ice. Yeah. But they never really talk about it other than that. And then in the art itself. Sometimes he's just like the abominable snowman, and sometimes he's uh, like Iceman from well, you know, the cartoon. It's, at it's, some it's... point, he does get congratulated because he's obviously, you know, you've been doing great, and now you can actually take an ice form, you know, mm-hmm. full on ice. Yeah. Form. Um, well, that's that's what I was I saying know. about it's... her uh, rebuilding that gun earlier. Is uh, uh-huh. they're they're showing little examples of the powers. It get you know getting right. stronger and and their skills getting better and then maybe that is why like i said earlier when the beast is no longer walking upright yeah. he's he's becoming be. more, more like toad so mm-hmm. it's it's an, a progression of their powers maybe without without like a specific statement constantly of oh your powers are changing Mm-hmm. which i guess is possible but i think Evolution. That, but i think that i think that addressing it sometimes would be a good idea though yeah. like all of a sudden bobby ain't got no face and it's just creepy <laughs> yeah i would agree but you know i'm thinking and, i'm thinking about well, the beast in the 1990s comics that we would read i remember him hanging upside down most of the time i don't remember him ever really standing right yeah, he was always upside yeah. down yeah but remember like the first few the first couple issues of the book yeah. Be- beast would would yeah. stand and he mm-hmm. was he was just one of the guys, and then they had had the crossover with the Fantastic Four, and all of a sudden he was much smarter than he had been in the issue before. Right. And then now he's now he's no longer walking upright, and he's bouncing around like the Toad. Well, the subtext would be that he's using his powers, so it's changing him, and, and waxing poetic yeah. all the time. Well, that's that's another thing that I found interesting about um, reading reading them all in a row, like I I just did. I kind of busted them out um because i was behind you guys and in the first you know we'll call it seven books the first half of the books we've read as far as just the x-men books go all of the characters were exactly the same there was no personality difference they were all just the same they just had different powers and it's and really Bobby didn't like girls yeah. <laughs> well that and the, every single one of them was as soon as jean gray walked in the room in that her first appearance it's like oh well she's going to be my girlfriend now yeah. and they're all just swooning all over and it was <laughs> it was kind of disgusting but like yeah. there are in these last seven issues they are slowly becoming characters in their own right which is maybe it has to do with the training maybe it has to do with the fact that they know the book's not going to get canceled and it's going to become monthly soon but like it's it's kind of nice to be able to differentiate, you know, you know, Hank McCoy from, you know, Angel Warren Worthington, the third. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Whereas in the first the first few books, you couldn't tell who was talking because they were all saying exactly the same thing in the exact same tone. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to distinctively they're going to set Beast apart by giving him this this lyrical speech and uh yeah it's it's very interesting it's a good point it's a good point 
Um, I, I kind of want to bring up, I know we've talked a little bit about this. So I kind of want to bring up how skeezy the art, how skeezy that mastermind looks in <laughs> the art on, uh, on page eight. Yeah. Like he is just creepy looking. He's got this greasy hair and his eyes are all bugged out. And, you know, Magneto has attacked the, the, uh, the stranger because he's like, you're going to join our team. And the stranger's like, I don't even know you. And I'm a stranger. You don't know me. So, you know, I'm not joining you. So Magneto like encases him in metal, but the stranger's like, yeah, that doesn't do anything to me. I can get rid of that. So mastermind steps in and is like, well, if Magneto can't, can't take you down, I will. First of all, really? Um, but anyway, mastermind, of course, points his finger and he's just like the creepiest looking dude. Um, He's got an extra know. knuckle on his finger. That yeah, Looking at it right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, like don't we all? Um, <laughs> I'm counting yeah, my own knuckles and looking at it. His 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 uh, his index finger is really disturbing. Again, going back to art from the last issue we read, uh, <laughs> kind of gnarly. But uh, I don't know. I am always blown away by Mastermind and how creepy he is i mean i really feel like he is one of the creepiest villains in the marvel universe and he has always been underused and he start his his appearance is changing a little bit too like you said on page eight he mm -hmm. almost looks like he's like losing his hair and yeah oh he is and and it does look like like i said it, it looks gray and greasy and you know he's he's also you see him smoking a cigarette a lot and and, uh, you know, they want you to think this is a really disgusting guy. And, of course, yeah. that's one way to, to do that is to put a cigarette. Well, you get the feeling yeah. that he drives around in a van with no windows. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not wearing pants under his trench yeah. coat. <laughs> Hangs out near schools. Um, it's going to well, be very interesting for me to see what they do with Mastermind in the 80s comic books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, because right. this looks like a character that should be in the 80s comic books <laughs> yeah well yeah. i mean so having read this issue did, did you i know i know rob i'm almost positive that you've seen what the stranger becomes because you owned those um the marvel ultimate powers books that were for the not ultimate powers books the gosh what were they the character books for the marvel superheroes role-playing game that we played yeah yeah, totally. and, and the stranger kind of got this um, kind of gladiators costume by way of San Francisco kind of thing. <laughs> and just like this big bright red V with a green cape and green calf high boots and short pants. And, oh, wow. That's right. And yeah, <laughs> so he goes on to be, he's like some super cosmic entity that is, like one of the major players that's part of the create, I believe he's one of the characters. He's like the, one of the creators of the universe, basically. Well, he's, he's a beyonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so he does definitely become big shit later on. I don't think that was the intention here, although they may have been wanting to bring him back because of what happens in this story is after the big fight between, and now of course, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are gone. They're out. So the fight is, you know, Mastermind Toad and Magneto versus the Stranger. And the Stranger turns Mastermind into a stone statue. And then he 
put some goop around Toad and, uh, excuse me, Toad and Magneto and tells the X-Men, okay, that's it. I, I have no intention to fight anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm going to take these two guys with me to my home planet. See ya. And they're like, all right, take care. <laughs> wow. Magneto's <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, if, if I were reading this book brand new, like as it came out, Okay, Magneto has been in most of the X-Men issues so far. This is issue number 11. He's been, the Brotherhood of Evilians have been around. We are like, these fuckers never quit. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden, this guy's like, I'm taking these people with me and you'll never see them again. It would have blown my mind reading this book, Brand. And he you know? he tried to do talk about Mastermind being turned to stone. Yeah, turned into stone. So, you know, when Wolverine died the first time, or was it the second time? I was like, shit, he's finally dead. This is awesome. Now, I love Wolverine, but I love it when there's a big, when something changes the status quo, when it changes the reality of the book, and it's like, okay, this character who you love is dead. Mm. There's something really cool about that. Now, of course, later on, I learned that'll never happen with anybody. You know, even Aunt May, who died, came back. Bucky, he came back like 60 years later, but he came back, you know. I think at this point, Uncle Ben is the only character that hasn't come back. And he, he might is, have come back is. by now. Right, because no. they, they brought back... Um... Bucky and Jason Todd. No, yeah. Warpath, Warpath. Um, or Warpath no, was... came back. Yeah, Warpath just came uh, back. Thunderbird. Recently. Thunderbird, that's Thunderbird, right, yeah. sorry. Warpath's yeah. brother. Yeah, Thunderbird came back. Um, there's, there's a phrase uh, that... Marvel had. Now, I remember when we were young, we used to say, he's not dead. He's he's not just dead. He's Bucky dead. And Bucky dead meant that fucker right. never comes back. But now Bucky came okay. back. So now he's Uncle Ben dead. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Gene was like, Magneto's gone at last. And everybody's happy. I still would have been like, wait, man, you're taking off with these guys. <laughs> you know, I, This is why all mutants are douchebags. They're, they're okay with, with him just I don't know, with an alien taking off with these people. Yeah, but dude, they've been um, fighting him. He's been the menace the whole time. You can't yeah, blame them for right. having some relief at him being, you know. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and he's the, he's really the one threat up to this point that has like really been a threat, you know, other than, you know, the the blob was just, you know, villain of the week type. Well, if, if you're going to listen to Xavier, although I try not to because I have I have feelings about Xavier. Uh, if you listen to Xavier, Lucifer is the biggest threat. Have we um, have we met him yet, though? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. The Lucifer was in the, I think, like issue, issue number nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Avengers yeah. issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was nothing. In fact, he was unconscious most of the issue. <laughs> Except for yeah, he was. Just had he had gotten in Professor X's brain because he just That's decided right. he was gonna he had to bust a cap in his ass in order to make sure that everything was fine again. That Professor X holds a grudge, man. Yes, he does. This issue for me was really interesting because I was reading it and I had no idea who the stranger was. I had no idea what was gonna happen. So I was reading, I was like, okay, this guy's a mutant. Okay, cool. He can he can levitate and he can phase shift through walls. That's pretty cool. Like, oh, he just this guy just turned him into stone. What are his powers? Like, what's his power set? Everything. Oh, he just teleported. <laughs> what? Oh, like he just kept adding on and adding on and mm -hmm. adding. Then finally, at the end, he was like, "Yeah, I'm an alien." I was like, 
kind of did not see that one coming. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he walked here from his own place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he kind of, yeah. and he kind of started, he kind of looked like a, like at the end before he just, they teleported off planet. He looked like an owl bear or something from D and D instead he's of. That, he's got that look, that fuzzy look. I really like this, this, this issue. Yeah, and I yeah, just because it was all over the well, place. Well, it was it was I, when I started reading it, I was like, "This is a Twilight Zone episode," because mm-hmm. you get that cold <laughs> open where you, you you don't know this guy; he just shows up, and he's having these yeah. weird interactions with people. Oh, he is a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's like you said the Twilight Zone Twilight yeah. Zone episode where the guy pulls off the hat and there's a third eye. You know, bingo. Yeah, seriously, that's it. Yeah. So this one, this one, this ep- issue reminded me of what we talked about last episode too, where we were talking about how the Tales to Astonish had a lot more motion to the art than this Journey one. into Mystery. The Journey into Mystery, yeah, Journey yeah. into Mystery had a lot more motion to the art because even if you look at the art in this book, even like for example, there's a picture of Angel flying, and it looks like Angel is static, and there's just stuff moving behind him rather than him being in motion mm-hmm. and it's just a, a just a subtle little difference in the art what, what and it's, page? It's, on page 10 the bottom left panel angel looks like he is still and the mm-hmm. background is moving but and then the, and the panel right next to it there's movement going on you see quicksilver's running in but everything looks Still, just the way that Quicksilver is drawn there, he doesn't look like he's moving, but there is movement around yeah, him. Right. Where, where in the Thor book, it looked there was everything looked like it was moving. I gotta say, he takes off with these mutants, and you're thinking, shit, they are gone forever. At least that's how it feels. There is a panel that just makes me laugh. And it goes back to our very nice, very favorite machine, mutant hunting machines or detecting machine cerebro where professor xavier pulls the little cards yeah magneto toad and mastermind's names out of cerebro this is such an analog device like he had to type out or write those names put them in there to begin with (laughs) you know i think it's hilarious he's like oh they're no longer with us i'm pulling their name off the list (laughs) um i think that is hysterical I, I had the thought when I was reading that panel, I was like, okay, well, he's physically removing the card that says their name, but how does he reprogram it so that the machine knows not to light up for Toad? Like, he's got to reprogram it for another name. I was like, how's <laughs> well, that he just work? He writes another name on a piece of paper and slides it into the slot. Like and you that's, do. It. that's it. Cerebro knows. Yeah. Well, I mean, so... so the page before this one, though, like... They're, they're like, Gene is picking up the chair and Angel's having to carry the professor into the airplane. Like, it. I mean, I realized that there were a couple of months in between issues at this time, but it wasn't that long ago that Gene was weakened at Bernie's-ing the whole package around when, <laughs> when Professor X got knocked out by the bomb. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh... Uh... What a great issue. I love it. (laughs) I will say, though, so far, and I I, kind of mentioned this earlier, but reading reading these issues, this was the one that I realistically had no idea what was going to happen at the end of it, which was kind of nice. 
Like yeah. the other ones, you can kind of, you know, pretty predictable. intuit what's going to happen. But this one, I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this uh, issue a lot. Um, another issue that I enjoyed a lot is the one that we're going into next. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> uh, Godzilla attacks. No, I'm kidding. It's X-Men number 12, Juggernaut and the Origin of Professor X. It was uh, released in uh, May of 65, I believe, written by Stan Lee. Layouts by Jack Kirby and art by um art, art by alex toth and uh inked by vince coletta with letters by sam rosen so this is a, a whole new art team uh, on this book and i gotta say it's pretty damn obvious i mm -hmm. think the art is it stands out I, they're in the uh in in professor xavier's office of course and this is how the book starts out and cerebro just starts screaming at him um which I kind of want to go. Yeah, okay. We're gonna we're we need an explanation on how this machine works. Hold on. Okay. How do they know yeah. about it? Here we are again. Well, it's Scott. They're Scott all right here, right there. Scott Summers <laughs> says right here. Stay out, all of you. No one is supposed to know about Professor Cerebro machine. <laughs> like he's he's actively trying to kick the rest. Stay of the away, so I don't have to tell you yeah. about the secret device that we've been using the whole time. Yeah. Even yeah, though exactly. we had we had a completely different device last, yeah, <laughs> and the thing's screaming like they all went into yeah, the what, room because they can hear it. What danger do we face, and what does Cerebro yeah, mean? Yeah, right. Um, I think it's hysterical. Uh, yeah, I, I I I like this a lot. Now, this is this issue we kind of talked about how um, Professor Xavier tells the X-Men, you know, go out and fortify the mansion. Um, a, a grave danger is coming. And he says something like, I had hoped I wouldn't have to talk about this. I'd hope I'd never have to tell you about this. What kind of damn secrets are you keeping from us, Professor Xavier? That's what I want to know. So <laughs> this thing so is we... just this whole book is irritating from beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> the one that really got me in, in, in this whole, you know, on this tra state of my track of mind is it was the issue with lucifer where we as the readers for sure found out that lucifer is the reason professor x can't walk yep and i had thought that he had told the x-men that, that that was why it was but then gene asks him or i think it was gene but asks him if if juggernaut is the reason why he can't walk yes no like, he did tell them very specifically that 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 he that Lucifer was the reason he could not walk. Mm -hmm. So why why are you so mad at him? Yeah, it's yep. uh, Professor X is just get your shit together, man. Uh -huh. Yeah, no. Uh, the, the, again, first page. I have a problem with the whole story as Cerebro, the mutant detecting advice device, is going off because of the Juggernaut, who has no mutant powers whatsoever. That's true. Uh, there is yet. a really great panel yet. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great panel, and I'm I don't know. I'm trying to find it, but there's a great panel where, um, it's this great shot of Professor X when he's. He's letting out all his dirt, you know. He's just kind of telling everybody. He's got to. He's got to own up to what's going on mm -hmm. here. And he says, he says, I'd hoped I'd never have to mention him. Um. 
Yeah, he says and that about me, 20 times in yeah. this book. Yeah, but to me, that that sums up Professor Charles Xavier. And that's, I have feelings for Xavier in a way that, that I, I don't, we, so we play this, this role-playing game with Marvel superheroes, and somebody asked me, I don't remember who it was, but is Xavier really as bad as we make him out to be in our game? Or is that just a game thing? And oh, I think it was uh, John who who plays game. He plays uh, Jean Grey. And I said, no, dude, Xavier's a jerk. I mean, it even comes up later. In fact, that book, uh, Marvel by Design, there's a great page in it that's like the whole page. It's a huge book, of course. You guys, you guys have a copy. It's a huge yeah. book. And this one page is a picture of Kitty Pride with the caption or the, the word bubble, Professor Xavier is a jerk. That's, yeah. that's all that's on I the page. That. Um, and, and yeah, he does this shit all the time. He mind wipes people left and right. Like it's no big deal. He, but, but let's know. put this in perspective. We're, we're okay. Uh, I've been, <laughs> this has kind of been simmering in my, in my brain for a bit. I wanted to bring it up. So this is a new morality that we're dealing with because you're dealing with brain people. Simmers. You're dealing with people with new abilities and it's, it's second nature to him to be able to do this. Now, whether the rest of us can do it and would, agree with it or not it is second nature to him to be able to use his mind just the same way we would use our fingers and hands to pick up something so i maybe maybe we're dealing with a new perspective on morality and what's acceptable and what isn't are you are you saying that it's unacceptable simply because you can't do it uh, no i'm saying it's unacceptable because you shouldn't do it <laughs> There is a panel on on page ten where it's it's kind of it's part of his flashback, and uh -huh. in in this panel he is it's it's when he's in high school you know the panel before he's he's a star quarterback, and he's saying I I had to quit being a quarterback because I could read their minds so I won a bunch of trophies and the next panel the one it, this quote really got to me, he's running track and he wins and he says to himself this will be my last race it is too easy for a mutant to defeat a normal man and like that to me is exactly something magneto would say to himself he would have Almost said it superior he, yeah he would have said it in a way of like oh, okay well i'm gonna go conquer mankind because you know I'm, I'm better than everyone else but this is literally professor x being like i'm better than everyone else so I'm just going to like, but, step in away some, from but the world. I, I'm going to take that a step further and say he, in some ways he is better than everyone else. He has an ability. Yeah. Nobody else has the difference mm -hmm. between him and Magneto is Magneto would have taken advantage of that. That's Professor true. X thought maybe I should back off. He, he gives, he gives young Kane Marco a pretty good karate chop and says, no normal foe has a chance against a mutant who can read minds. You brought this on yourself. Karate chop. <laughs> karate chop. No, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but realistically, though, I, I don't think that, you know, morals and values necessarily change because you have an extra set of powers. Does that mean that Professor X is allowed to have a different set of morals than the mutant that poops ice cream? Mm. I think I'm going to have to side with Roger. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> at this point, I'm going to back out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really interesting because it, it really, to me, it seems like perfect, Professor X is like, I'm better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. going to make sure I act better than everyone else. So everyone knows I'm better than them. Well, you know, we could take this analog. You know, we've been talking about how the X-Men's an analog for uh, 
for civil rights, mm-hmm. but what about that's that's a retroactive about, statement. I I did I disagree with that. True. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's yeah, that's okay. that's, that's, that's Stanley being a carny. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually that's good. That's good. But what if we look at it as if um, you know, we have uh, you know disabilities. Okay. You know, just okay. because just because uh, if you're looking at somebody in a wheelchair as opposed to somebody who can walk and run, does that mean that they should be going around kicking people over because they can do it? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just saying it's, you, you know, he acts like the high and mighty guy who, who has no disabilities and he could do. Well, he let's take the, let's take no the disability thing a step further. So suppose nine out of 10 people on average were disabled and unable to walk, but that 10th person could walk. That 10th person being Professor X in this case, in this example, Mm -hmm. he says to himself, I have abilities other people don't have. I'm going to limit myself and not use them. Now, there are times when he does use them. I I grant you that. But that's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Should he not? Should he not use his powers just because others don't have them? Well, I think that is a great point. I think, however, there's a difference between using your legs to run when other people can't and and using your powers to wipe away somebody's memories and mind um because they came over because they came over to your house and weren't when you asked them to yeah 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 yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, right uh the 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 vanisher didn't even know who he was at the end of issue number two he he didn't know he had powers he didn't know who he was the blob got lucky i mean the blob got his memories kind of wiped a little bit but the vanisher was like, "What am I doing here? Who am I? What's going on?" Ah, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, 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 it's an interesting point, and we're going to explore it a lot. I think in upcoming issues. I think so. it's it's very interesting that you guys brought up the fact that we're playing this Marvel superhero RPG in in our universe. We've decided Professor Xavier is a jerk, and we want nothing to do with him. And we've gone off and done our own X Men thing without him. Yep. And, and the whole time reading this, I'm like, is that particular instance of, of our non-canon game influencing my opinions while reading this? Probably. And, <laughs> and, and granted, I, I came in later into that game where I, I personally, as a player, never interacted with, with Charles Xavier. Right. But like, I've heard all the stories and everything. And so it's it's definitely something I've had to kind of check myself on as i'm as i'm reading professor xavier's shenanigans yeah well i'll i'll say this i never really thought professor x was a amoral or whatever you know person (laughs) until shane and rob really kind of started pointing things out but now that they do i'm starting i'm starting to see it more yeah you know what it's I like mean? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 but again, that's this is why I'm asking the question: Is it is he allowed a different morality because he has these abilities? I, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't. Well, no, that's, I, true. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that he does everything that Magneto does. Mm-hmm. But at least Magneto is straightforward about it. He's like, yep. I'm gonna kick you in the dick, and then so... kick you in the dick, and then. <laughs> <laughs> then, but Professor X would be like, I'm going to kick you in the dick and then kick you in the dick and then also stick his thumb in your soft spot so you can't remember your name or your address for about an hour and a half. 
And all this time you thought he couldn't move his legs. Yep. So that that's pretty that's pretty cheap. Um so this whole this whole issue is of course as we're talking about this is about the juggernaut coming after Professor X. His and his brother, his his, his stepbrother. Stepbrother. Yeah. And Juggernaut's not a mutant, but he's a big ass, non-stoppable machine who is coming to kill Charles Xavier because he is butthurt because Charles is better than him. Um and uh yeah, he's just he's pissed off. So he's he's like a, a locomotive that you can't stop. So they're digging trenches, they're setting up traps, and Juggernaut gets through them all. Um, I mean, it slows him down a little bit, long enough for Xavier to tell the story, because I have to tell you all about this guy before he gets here. Now listen, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> which we were talking about before we started recording, which, you know, we don't have time. So sit here and listen to me while I tell you this story. <laughs> we don't have time. Let's just fight him. And then we'll get to the story later. But no, let's let's do it this way. Um, one thing I, I want to get into. Yeah, go ahead. One thing I found impressive, though, uh, though about the, the beginning couple of pages when they were setting up all those booby traps is yeah. never once have they talked about setting up booby traps. And yet they got that done. I, I, I think in the, the book itself, it specifically says in exactly five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. That's right. They they booby trapped the entire property. That's very Cause, impressive. Because <laughs> teamwork, man. They're all team. You know, they're doing this together. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. So I, I kind of want to say that as a story, I really like story a lot because I felt the tension of holy shit, the Juggernaut's getting closer, mm -hmm. and I know he's going to wreck shop pretty bad. And it might have had to do with like every once in a while, Xavier being like. Oh, Hush, hush, quit goofing around. I have to finish my story before he gets here. Um, but I felt it. I felt like this was, you know, they're on a time, man. There's a ticking time bomb getting ready to go off. And 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 we only have like, you know, 20, I don't know, 22 issues or 22 pages or whatever. So, but I, I like the writing. I thought it was great. I don't know. That I was I was confused by the log grenades. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that I, is interesting. interesting. I was, this is like Lord of the Flies, okay? It they is. Set up, it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah. They set up like all these crazy primitive, like, you know, like Captain Kirk putting the, the sulfur in the bamboo and, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you that do was it, at man. least sort of gotta, based on how gunpowder works, but it was still pretty lame. Well, the X-Men didn't need to go to all that trouble. They actually had grenades they could put in bamboo. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyway um i thought the art was interesting now i'm looking at the art now and there's some of it i, I don't really care for some of some of the art because uh i don't like the way that it makes professor look like his eyes and his eyebrows are all kind of weird um i do think that the scenes with the juggernaut fighting through the uh booby traps is really kind of cool um I think it, those are great. It adds to suspense too, the way they uh -huh. the way they did it. I I really enjoyed that part. Yeah. Because you can, you never panel. actually see the juggernaut until you know that towards the end of the issue. Like he's always covered in smoke, or you see yeah. him through the ice wall, or the, they 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 block him from our view in all sorts of kind of interesting ways. Right. Right. Um I think this art, this, the art in this issue has a really good use of light and shadow, um, which to me is quite 
the use of it's quite different than say how Kirby would would have done it. You know, it's uh, Kirby is doing the layouts, but Toth's art <clears throat> is is really distinct, and I think it's uh, it's kind of cool to see a change. Like I look at it, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I like it better or if I don't like it better, but I like that it's different. I think it's a little more complete. I mean, I'm looking at like page 12, the backgrounds are there. He, clearly yeah. he had a little more time to finish his drawings. Well, even page four with Professor X's um, face in the middle of the atomic blast cloud. It's just, yeah. I'm like, man, this is a little intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if I may, uh, on page 17, the X-Men are like whisking away, uh, you know, through the through the uh, the expansion, and Beast does this move. I don't know what's up here, but he like uses his feet and his hands to kick Angel and and Iceman aside. <laughs> and it's really there's a lot. This whole page actually has a lot of motion in it. It does. Um, it uh, it does. It it incorporates what we talked about earlier. There there is there's starting to be movement in the characters. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this whole page was unnecessary, though. Yeah, it totally is. I was like, why did they need to fight over who got to flip the fucking switch? Right. <laughs> that did, it, that kind of irritated me as I was reading. I was like, what? Why? Just, you're in the middle of a battle. Why are you being kids? Because they're juvenile idiots. That's why. But they've also like shown like tremendous teamwork and, and resiliency in battles prior to this point, and they're in yeah. a battle right now. They're they've been very good so far of like separating business from pleasure. I guess is, is a way to put it. Is like they're they goof off when they're allowed to goof off, but they're all they're the X Men when they're the X Men. And, and plus, Xavier has spent sixteen pages telling them over and over and over how this is the gravest danger that they have ever faced. Mm -hmm. That's right, the gravest danger, and they had to fight Lucifer. I mean, come on, yeah. Or uh... <laughs> well, he was unconscious. Um, so uh, I think that is about wrapping up issue number 12 uh before we do though what do you guys think thumbs up thumbs down i was um, not a fan of this really okay. i thumbs up for me i me too i kind of enjoyed this issue especially because storytelling wise it was it was the first time we got a different a different type of storytelling like the the, the flashback and and the, the battle it just all worked very well for me well, I, I wonder too, uh, like we've talked about a little bit, how you know Jack or uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby would do the art. I wonder if this was one of those cases where Stan was like, "All right, just here's the beginning, here's the end, fill in the middle," because it is a totally different storytelling mm -hmm. style, and you've got a totally different penciler doing the artwork. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. Um, so I also am going to give it a thumbs up and much for the reason that, that Drew said it, it to me was a far more interesting story, much like the issue with the stranger. I like that mm -hmm. because it was so different than everything mm -hmm. else. Um, so uh, that wraps up this segment. Next segment, we're going to touch on X-Men 13 and X-Men 14, which means we're going to finish up the juggernaut stuff and head into the Sentinels which I am kind of stoked about. Yeah. 
Um, all right, you guys, thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.